First and foremost, thank you so much for joining us in the playroom today. Thank you for having me. As always, it's always great to have a chat with you. Yeah, same here. Definitely. Like, when I even think of your name, Fola Shade, and I'm like, you're Nigerian. I've not, we met on Clubhouse, and we don't know where we are in the world, but we're connected through an app that really brought us to the conversation for today. And I'm just excited. You know, this is networking that you wouldn't really, you'd have to really pay for some kind of conference to meet some kind of people, you know. So it's a pleasure connecting with you for sure. You know, that I think that is one of the great things about Clubhouse, the networking and the people that I've met and the conversations um, that I've had over the past few months. And like you said, especially um, in the world of COVID where you're not necessarily going out and meeting people but it also broadens the, you know, the, the your pool of who you can meet across the world. They may be sitting, you know, down the street, um, and it's funny because there are so many Nigerians um, on Clubhouse. So it's always interesting when I hear my name said correctly. Um, you know, when I Americanized, having born, been born and raised in New York, so yeah, always I'm like, oh wait, I hear my name said correctly. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's it's amazing to really connect and and show that, you know, within a community that people are still, you know, so far away, we're still so inclusive. We're still so like in that moment of real, realizing that okay, we can really help, we can really communicate. We may have something in common, but at the same time we have a common goal, you know. Definitely, completely, completely agree. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure people are wondering, who is this? I would love you to tell us more about you, who you are, and, you know, what you do. Sure, not a problem. So my name is Falashade, um, and I am in Brooklyn, New York, um, born and raised, except I did third and seventh grade in Nigeria, many moons ago, we won't discuss. Um, <laughs> I own a luxury travel company that focuses on culinary and experiential travel. Yeah. One, I definitely feel that, you know, you learn about a culture, you learn about a city through food. So I like to say you're learning, you're discovering a city or country one bite at a time. Um, and on the experiential side, really immerse it, really immerse yourself, look for those, you know, go beyond the tourist spots. Um, travel a little slower, which that is one of the benefits of COVID. Um, is if you're traveling, you're spending a lot more time um, in a destination, and really, you're, you get the opportunity to dig deep and explore, and find, you know, commute with the individuals who live there, and, and learn something about where you're visiting beyond the surface. And everywhere you travel has something unique. Whether you're staying in your own city, um, I am also a big proponent of telling people explore your state. Um, there are there are people who have never explored, you know, things that they claim are tourists touristy or out of the way so start by exploring your your own town and see what's out there i think that's a great point you mentioned because people really like to stay within their comfort zone and they don't really want to branch out which makes it harder for them to socialize and now because of clubhouse imagine when the world's opening back up and you want to meet these people you're still gonna come out right. so why didn't you come out the first time <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's i, I think that's the, if we take a look at what the benefit is of COVID, um, it's forced people to explore their surroundings um, and travel local as much as they could. Um, you know, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. I love my state. Um, I think people think it's just the five boroughs and they always say, oh, I just have to go to Manhattan. Even if you looked and explored, every single borough has something very unique. And then if you look throughout New York State, we have farmlands, we have lakes, we have wineries. So there is a huge breadth just within the state um, that people don't intuitively think about or they haven't explored. And then when you start going to your neighbors north and east, there, you know, the world is your oyster. There's a lot of different experiences to be had. I think so too and when you start thinking about those moments and experiences it values over time and appreciates over time because you remember those things you have pictures now back in the day we couldn't take quick snapshots of where we were because we didn't have that technology now we do we still did but we can still build those memories around what we discover and I yeah yeah what are your thoughts on where you think it's going now because people are really 
some people have not traveled in a long, long, long time. So it's going to feel a little different. And, it, you know, and it's going to be different for a while. You know, I always tell my clients, um, this is not like traveling in 2019. How you traveled pre-January 2020 has radically changed. Um, one, you know, you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about when you go. You have to think about capacity constraints may still be in place. Even if someone someplace says, hey, we're open, that doesn't really mean that they're open. Um, one, two, you need to be considerate of the individuals that you're traveling there. While, you know, while it's the pandemic has, you know, and COVID has definitely come down in numbers, there can still be flare-ups. And we also need to be respectful of those individuals where we're visiting their city, their state, their country. Um, because if they suddenly have a surge, it can send them back into the lockdown. Mm. Um, and they may not have the capacity to handle that. You know, especially if you're traveling places like the Caribbean, Hawaii, certain smaller European and African countries, they just don't have the infrastructure if there is another surge to handle it. So being respectful of their rules and regulations as well is also critical. Um, and, you know, go with an open mind. There are staffing shortages everywhere. Um, so plan on having an enjoyable leisurely meal, which, you know, as a New Yorker, sometimes you're like, okay, I need, I need you to get on some time. Um, but give grace and travel with grace. Um, and go with an open mind. I always say you have to be very flexible. Um, but, you know, there are as much, I think there's also this sudden need for everyone wants to travel. And there are small things that they don't realize have been an outcome of COVID. So, for example, if you need a car rental anytime soon, it is a struggle um, car, because there just aren't cars. They, you know, if you look at the car companies like Hertz, they went into bankruptcy last year. Most of these car companies sold off a large majority of their fleet. No one was traveling, so you're holding on to this inventory that you're paying on, and you also need cash. Now, they, there's a sudden surge. People need cars. Um, there are no cars to be had. And then the car rental company, the car uh, manufacturers, they can't manufacture enough cars. So they're missing chips that they need. So it's all this, you know, this this whole unraveling is all connected to one another. Um, so you may not be able to get the car you want. We hear stories of people renting, um, you know, U-Haul trucks in Hawaii because A, there's no cars and they're running at least $1,000 minimum. And that'll be for a compact car. So you also have to readjust what your thinking is from a budget perspective. There are components that are going to cost you much more um, for the, you know, for the short term, those $200, $400 car rentals for a week in Orlando, that's going to be hard to come by. And you can reserve a car and there might not be one available. Mm. So that, you know, those are some of the realities of traveling in this weird pandemic, kind of post-pandemic, but still in a pandemic um, stage. It just makes me wonder, when is, when is, I mean, it's different, but what's going to happen that's going to make our different normal? Um, as much as I hate the term new normal, um, there are components of this that is going to be the reality. Um, you know, there's this whole debate about vaccine cards and not having vaccine cards and vaccine passports um, and all of these other things. Testing, I don't think, is going away for the foreseeable future. Vaccinations are going to be a component of entering some countries, boarding a cruise, entering into some of these smaller venues like Broadway theaters. And, you know, if we look at stadiums, you know, in New York, you have a vaccinated section and you have a non-vaccinated section um, at stadiums and rapid testing and all of these things. I don't necessarily see that going away for the foreseeable future. Um, you have too many, you know, there are quite a few countries where they have low vaccination rates. Um, so for you to enter, you're going to need to be vaccinated. If you look at Italy opening up, um, you have to test 48 hours prior, you know, upload your test results and travel on these special COVID flights, which Delta and Alitalia and more air, airlines to be announced flying to certain cities. So you're flying only out of JFK for now, then Alliance is coming on board and some other cities. 
and fly into Rome and Venice. So it's going to be a reality on how you can contain a flare-up so it doesn't send, you know, your respective country back into lockdown. Um, you know, then you have some unfortunate countries like Canada, um, where they're just hoping to get out. Um, and, you know, they're waiting on vaccinations and when they can open up because they're extremely stringent over in Canada. And we're waiting for them to reopen. I love, you know, Vancouver and Ottawa and some other places. Now I'm even wondering how important now, especially post-pandemic, is a travel advisor, especially with how things are going rapidly and dynamically? It, it more so it's critical. Um, you know, every country has its own protocols. Things change quickly. Um, you know, we can get an alert that Jamaica, for example, has changed their protocols um, on a, on Friday, and it'll go into effect, impact on Monday. Um, you know, Puerto Rico, for example, I have some clients that are going to Puerto Rico. Up until last Wednesday, they had to, you know, if you were unvaccinated, if, even if you were vaccinated, you had to take a COVID test to enter into Puerto Rico. That They sent out an alert last week, hey, as of April 20, you know, as of May 28th or whatever the date was, I can't recall, the dates start jumbling. If you were vaccinated, you did not have to take a 48 hour, a 48 or 72 hour COVID test. If you were fully vaccinated, so you have to show proof of both of your shots. So it's things like that that are constantly changing. Protocols are constantly changing. Uh, we have conversations if you're going to go to the Caribbean or you're going to Mexico because you have to test in order to get back into the U.S. from international um, countries. So arranging for you, if you're not staying at a hotel that provides that, or, you know, working with you to arrange your COVID test, test to re-enter the country, um, sending you alerts as to exactly when you need to take your COVID test three days before is different from 72 hours before. Um, you know, understanding what levels they are, they are and what they need. Basically, the U.S. is, you know, they have put the entire world at a level four. Um, so that sends panic to individuals. And so what does that really mean? So disseminating that information and relaying it back to our customers and our clients, is it's more critical than ever. Um, and also helping you uncover things that, um, you know, people want luxury houses. They want houses and protocols, which even pre-COVID, depending on where you were, were hard to find. Finding inventory, almost impossible for this summer. Wow. So, you know, we're your partner in this. Um, and especially when COVID first hit, we were definitely spending hours on the phone that you did not have to spend as, you know, as the client rearranging your travels, shifting your, you know, your trips, getting clients out. You know, I have customers that were overseas and getting them out ahead of a, a country closing. Um, so we are your partners and your eyes and your ears to facilitate and navigate all of these things that come up. Wow. It sounds so, it even sounds like traveling now is, is harder than fun. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's definitely one of those, if I had, if you have to do your own travel, you have to be on top of every single thing. Um, and when you work with a travel advisor, you're, we're taking a lot of that heavy lifting off of your hands and working with you. Um, there are people who they don't know to look for certain nuances. And I've had individuals that I know who have not booked with me and said, hey, I'm booking and I just realized I need a test. Can I do a rapid test? Nope, you can't. Sorry, that's not what the country or city or island requires. Um, and you should have had this uploaded two to three days ahead of time. So in some cases, they have had to move out their trips. Um, and you also have to, you know, take into consideration when you are traveling, because you still, as of right now, have to test back to get into the United States. Um so if you test positive for COVID, you will be in the country that you are currently in until for an additional 10, day, 10, usually 10 days. And that's most likely going to be on your own dime unless you're at, you know, in the earlier days, some hotels were offering if you um, 
came down with COVID, that they would cover your hotel stays while that is. And some people are like, oh, this is great. I can stay in a hotel for an extra 10. No, you stay in your hotel room. Right. During the period of that time. And they do not, and if it's an all-inclusive, they do not bring you alcohol. You are there, they will bring you food. And if you're lucky to have a balcony, you can look over, you know, look out, but you're not leaving your room. So wow. these are the considerations. And if you have a job where you have to come back, then I might steer you to someplace else on the off chance you get COVID and can't come back into the U.S. Um, so, though, you know, those are some of the considerations as well that you have to take, think about when you're planning trips. Wow. I This is so vital right now because some people just bypass it and just think that they can just book a flight and leave and come back like they used to. Like you said, forget 2019. <laughs> right. In 2019, it was fun. I would go on a trip on a weekend um, and I would have a ball um, and fly off to the UK or someplace for the weekend and come back. Um, you have to really consider those things. And, I, and there, again, there are some people who have done it. Um, they have traveled all throughout this pandemic. Um, and again, it's all about, and it's also about your, your comfort level. Whatever you choose to do, some people I know are choosing not to fly this year. So they're looking for domestic travel. They're looking for drive destinations. Um, some people are comfortable flying a few hours. Some are saying, you know what, don't care. I'm going to South Africa. I'm doing all of the things. So it all, I always tell people, it depends on what your comfort level is. It depends on what you choose to do. Um, you know, there are parts of the U.S. where it's like, hey, I don't, you know, like if you're going to Florida, you're going to Texas, they don't tend to wear masks. If you're comfortable wearing a mask, continue to wear your mask. Um, I think, you know, especially moving through this period, it's all about what you're comfortable with, what your comfort level is, how, how good you are with crowds. If you want something more isolated, it's about your comfort as well. And I don't, and I always tell people, don't feel pressured to A, not wear a mask, B, travel further than you're willing to. If you don't want to get on a plane right now, that's okay. Let's talk about an alternative for you. Right. And I think it makes, at the end of the day, I think traveling is a convenience in mm -hmm. every way. Pricing, um, leg room, <laughs> you know, like you need, right. you need to have everything that can really put you in that space where you know that you're taking a break and you're not adding more stress to what you already have or could be having. So right. it, it's a, it's a beautiful balance. And I think at this point in time, how does this play a role for people who like plan events? Like, yeah, you can travel, but let's say you have events, you have, you know, milestones, you have things that you're, you're trying to put together. Are these things that you have to still think about when you think about families and people traveling and how they actually affect you, even going back, because even while you're within the city, like you have to be cautious. You don't know, we could know it, but they may not and then vice versa. So how does that play a role into that? cautiousness sure you know I, I think it, it depends so when we're talking about travel and talking about how people some people are rethinking travel so there's concerns if you're traveling with kids you know both adults are you know they both have a vaccine but their kid isn't vaccinated um, so they may look at a different type of vacation or they'll say you know what I'm still going if my kid wants Disney World I'm still going to go to Disney, but my child is going to wear a mask or we're comfortable because it's outdoors. So you're also seeing a lot of people saying, what can I do that's outdoors um, versus inside? Um, you know, or they still wear masks. It, you know, you've gone to aquariums, you've gone to museums, you're still spacing, you're still wanting some of that space. Um, I think it's a little harder to achieve it now that, you know, a lot of cities are wider open. So, but they're selecting to, you know what, I'll do a rent a house, for example, that has a pool and I'll get together with several families. So our kids, you know, so they're still keeping that bubble, um, but they're doing activities as a group. They can commune with a group, especially if you haven't seen friends or family in a, in a long term is, hey, we're going to build a, you know, do a really big home where we can all enjoy ourselves. Um, or we're going to rent a villa or we're going to rent boats for things of that nature. So people are thinking outside of the box. Um, they're also looking at small, not necessarily going to some of these really big resorts um, where, you know, when it's 
If the resort is at still holding minimal capacity, so they're not saying they're 100%, they're at 70%, um, it's a lot more sprawled out, so it's not everyone on top of each other. Um, so people are looking at those types of things. They're looking at smaller hotels where just in general, you're not going to have a lot of people around. Um, private excursions. What If I'm going as with my own group or I'm going personally, how can I do that privately? So those are some of the things that you look through travel that people are looking at as well. I think that's a great point because you have to think about the community and the people that you're working with, the tour guides. Google is your best friend now. You know, you have to think about reviews people have, especially recently, you know, recent reviews to see what people are talking about. And I think that also helps with the social proof. And it also gives value to where you're planning to go to because it may look nice, but it may not be nice for this moment. Right. You know, my, or, you know, when I work with a lot of clients and we have, I always start my conversations on what is, A, what is your comfort level? What is it that you want to do? Um, you know, are you okay? I mean, even pre-COVID, I was not the person that um, won me personally, nor for my clients, did I put together a tour that would have 40 people in it. It would always be a small group of eight people, um, you know, a lot of walking tours, a lot of custom tours, a lot of private tours. So oh, I was never that, hey, let me go with 40 people because I just don't like waiting around for about 30 other people to do something. Um, and so you're seeing that trend. Um, and so there were some things that I did pre-COVID, um, which I doubled down, which makes sense. You know, if you want to go to a museum, I'm always a per- I'm a strong advocate of having a private guide um, or docent taking you around. There's a very different conversation when you are a part of the four and you have a personal person taking you around and guiding you through the loop and pointing out different things. So those, some of those tech tactics that I did pre-COVID definitely helped me in speed, you know, in this current environment and what my clients are looking for that's amazing i i now believe that when you have a guided tour or a guided plan or something that's structure relevant to what you're doing then you can really understand that you can make those logistic decisions you know whether you want to spend extra on this or that because of those things that could happen you know especially when you think about contingency plans so uh, yeah yeah what do, do you have anything else in mind when you think about travel now and where people go to like like you said interstate everybody's doing that that's cool but are there places that some people should think about or should they be looking at the news first before they go so look i i th- this is the thing so in terms of looking at the, you should always be aware of where you're going to go in general you know, if some place says a hot spot and it's around an election time in certain countries, I'm not going to go when they have, their elections are going on because their, you know, their political scene can get a little volatile and people, there may be a lot of protests going on or something. So in the general scheme of things, I would always, that's always a watch. I, I tend not to travel around elections in any country. So, for example, so that would be one thing. Um, so no, as countries open up, um, you know, I'm eagerly awaiting. Italy's announced they're supposed to open, but it's also thinking about timing. If someone says, hey, we're going to open to Americans on March 1st, I'm probably going to wait a few months so things actually open up. So there are things to experience um, because they're not every, you can't say, hey, we're open on March 1st. And every business is going to be up and running, every excursion, every museum, etc. Um, you know, there's a lot of people going to Costa Rica. Um, I have people who have been to Iceland. Um, so it's, you know, so you're working and understanding where you want to go. Greece has opened up. Um, I have some clients that are in about to go to Greece next month. So understanding what you're going to do. And you can still go there. You're just working within constraints. So looking at each country as they open up and deciding what you're going to do. Yeah. Me personally, if they say, I'm not going to probably go the first month a country says they're open. I'll give them some time to, you know what, let's get the stores back up. Let's make sure more things, a significant amount of things are online um, to ensure that you have the experience that you're looking for. 
I think so too. That's that's really the core value of where you're going there because you could go somewhere and the thing could not be working. It may be on the wrong day. Right. You know, and there's some people, you know, it depends on what you're doing. I was like, you might want to wait a little bit longer, especially if this is the first time you've ever been to a city, a country, you know, a country. Um, if there are certain things that you really, 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 really want to see um, and the country just announced that they're opening, I would wait a little bit to ensure that you get that experience, that optimal experience that you've always dreamed of. There may be a particular site or experience that you want to do. Um, so that's my one caveat. But also understand, I think we're moving past this, um, which, you know, there may be, there's typically not curfews. Um, curfews may get instated where they know they're going to have a surge of people. So for example, Jamaica, can't remember which holiday it was, but they implemented a curfew for like 10 o'clock during a specific holiday because they knew they were going to get an influx of visitors and everyone on the island was going to go out. So they're like, okay, we're going to put a, a curfew on it. Um, understand curfews can still happen. Um, they can also be lifted. You know, yeah. Puerto Rico had just lifted their curfew that they had between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Yeah, I see that. I think that's that's very, it's very good to know so that when you are making those decisions too, you know where you're going to and how long you're going to be there. You know, sometimes people will be thinking, okay, I'll wait for two weeks. Somebody will be like, no, I'll wait for two months. <laughs> right. And also some countries still have, you know, mandatory, you have to isolate for a certain amount of time. So if you want to go to Singapore 21 days, <laughs> quarantine exactly you can do whatever you want um so you also have to take those things into account iceland has this you know you fly into iceland you test you you have to quarantine at your hotel until your test results that you landed that you received on upon landing come in usually about five or six hours then you can go about your business and your day-to-day um so there are all these little quirks that also come into play at times um when you're traveling yeah, I think so too. Now, I I also feel like with traveling and people going on, I'll call them excursions and just you know luxury travel. How is that seen right now? Is there any luxury in the travel right now with everything going on? There is always luxury. I mean, some people think different. And that's how I'm just. Trying. There, there, there is, there is always luxury in travel. That yeah. Um, if you have enough money, you can do most things. Um, I think the caveat is if you decide you want to go to a country that is locked down, no, you cannot do that even if you have money. Exactly. Um, you know, so uh, especially if you are a citizen of a country that they don't particularly like because your COVID numbers are high, you know, for example, Dubai um, just put it in a stop right now to people traveling from India following poor and some other places because you know they were getting people coming in on private jets to you know when the COVID issues were really high in India like, like okay I'm out so the wealthy upper middle class they were leaving on private jets and there was a surge in private jet travel Dubai has said yeah okay no so they you know they've stopped for a time Brazilians could not come enter into the US and certain other countries because they had a strain um, you know of the COVID-19 so but outside of that there's still experiences still going on you're just looking at it different so you're looking at private villas you're looking at yachts where individuals like you know what we want to get together as a group we are going to rent a yacht so we can experience each other and go out we're looking at these larger homes bringing in private catering services um, deciding, you know, Alaska was technically closed to large cruise ships, for example. I'm a huge fan of Alaska, not on a cruise ship, as well as on a cruise ship. So, Alaska was always open. If you wanted to still cruise these small hundred, you know, hundred boats or less, you can still cruise through Alaska, for example. Um, but you can also do a land trip to Alaska and go to some of these beautiful, fantastic wilderness lodges. You can rent private yachts to cruise through the inside passage. You can hike, you know, you can kayak the inside passage. Um, if you're going to Greece, private cooking classes, 
you know, with wine pairings. You can also cook with chefs. Yeah. Um, you can charter a yacht and cruise Mykonos. So these are all of the things that are always still available to you. Um, you know, and as countries are open, there is always something for you to do. Um, you know, if you're going to Iceland, you can take a private helicopter trip and go to this really remote um, restaurant and have, you know, um, the local lobster, which is really a langostino, but you can do that. It's completely private and helicopter your way out. Um, you can do, you know, driving along glaciers on super jeeps, which I have done, which is super fun. You're going across glaciers and volcanoes in these super hyped up um, jeeps. So there is always luxury to be had. Um, if you're willing to pay for it. Mm, yeah, I think so too. And sometimes you may not even know what luxury is available. Right. You know, there you know, there is something to be said, you know, some people say, Oh, I want to do it all inclusive, but I really want a bill. Okay, so then hire a chef. <laughs> right. You can do that to make all of your meals. Um, you can do that and have them do wine pairings and bring in a crew. Uh, you know, I know quite a few chefs where if need be, if I can't find someplace I can fly them where you want, if you want a particular cuisine, you could have to obviously would have to pay for their accommodations and their expenses, but they will fly and cook for you the entire time, whether you're talking about here or there's someone local. Mm, okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I just think at this point now with travel, there's this thing and I've always been asking people and I've seen it. I do some research and sometimes I'm like, okay, I got to think about it. When someone is traveling too, I saw recently even on Pinterest about how even when you're traveling, you need to also like walk. You know, it's encouraged. They talk about it. But sometimes when people, you know, when you travel one, two, three, four times, you don't really pay attention to what the pilot is telling you because you think it's the same thing. But when you think about your health and your body and your, your patterns, how does that also play, especially when you think about, like you said, long flights and short flights, long road trips and short trips? Sure. You know, if, <laughs> you should never get, especially on a you know, long flight. I used to fly to Asia fairly often. Um, you should not sit in your seat and sit there and never move. You just should. Um, you can get blood clots. You should always just incorporate some type of movement, some type of stretching when you're in your seat. You should not be stationary. Um, for long flights, even from a flight from New York to California, I'm going to move at least stretch or move around a little bit at some point and not just sit in my seat and not move. It just shouldn't. For some people, if you have circulation problems, there are socks that you compression socks that you can wear that will assist with that. Um, wear comfortable shoes. Do not take your shoes off because you may not get them back on. Um, but no. I also travel with a lumbar pillow for my lower back. Um, so, the, you know, those are certain things that I always do hydrate as much as it's fun to drink a ton of alcohol when you're in flight. Um, it can be dehydrated. So make sure you're also consuming fluids and all of those things as well. Mm, so would you say a balance or would you say nah, like this is, I'll just wait till I get, you know, I cal- Oh, I drink on, I always drink on <laughs> It just it was just perfect blending. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not that person. It's like, okay, I think this is kind of squeezing. So I was always with the Clorox wipes and all of these other things <laughs> um pre COVID and COVID just kind of amped up my O C D ness. Oh man. Oh my goodness. So now does that make you even more super conscious about somebody who you're next to even when you're sitting down? Like it's like it's that close. Right. That would kind of skeeze me out, but that would skeeze me out anyway. Yeah. If you're hacked all over the place. Because you may be sick, 
and this is this is not even COVID related. Why are you traveling if you're that sick? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I would always side eye that person anyway. But I have no problem with a mask and wearing my glasses, which I are reading glasses. Um, but I have no problem sitting down with a mask. Okay. None whatsoever. <laughs> okay, that's good. When you say that you have a favorite drink to have on the flight, or it doesn't matter, or you just stick to what you know. I'm not getting fancy on a flight, but look, I tend to be a Jack and Ginger Ale person, or I might get a, you know, I, I'm that person. Um, I just go along with the flow, but I'm usually Jack and Ginger Ale, or I'll do a vodka tonic. I'm okay. Okay. Yeah, that I mean, I, it, it's good because sometimes you want to relax, you want to chill. And I feel like with all this traveling now, especially you really want to like calm your nerves. You want to really read a book. <laughs> you want to sleep. You want to feel good. You want to actually enjoy your trip so that you can actually enjoy why you're even going in the first place. You know, considering they recently reinstate, started reinstating drink service, et cetera. I was always and continue to be the person that gets to the airport, goes into the club, has a drink, chats with the bartender. I usually inevitably wind up chatting with someone in the club bar. We have a conversation, enjoy and relax. I get on the plane. I'm the person that falls asleep at takeoff, and I wake up when we hit cruising altitude. I am that person. I get, I've gotten some of my best sleeps on a plane, <laughs> and it's I actually prefer a flight that's going to be 15 hours or so versus flying to the West Coast. I don't know why flying to the West Coast aggravates me, but if I'm on a 15, 20-hour flight, no problem. I know what I'm doing. I'm sleeping. I'm going to watch movies. I'll do some work. It's fantastic. <laughs> you got to be 100% on that because sleeping as soon as you take off is such a good feeling. And sometimes when you sleep off and you land, you're like, oh, wow, that's it. You know, <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's about it. Some people cannot sleep on planes. I am not that person. Right. <laughs> now, even if you think about the luxury and the comfortability of traveling now, when we hear about the vaccines and the passports and, you know, requirement, is it needed? Yeah, everybody has their own regulation, but... Come 2022, 2023, God willing, you know, things will start to open up, change, you know, get better. But as we are now, are those things that people should be thinking about as part of their itinerary when they're planning? I mean, definitely. Look, whether, where you fall on, and, and I dislike the word passport, because at the end of the day, it's a vaccination card. If you've ever traveled certain countries, you have a vaccine, you have the little yellow vaccination card where there are entry requirements, I have a slew of them. So whether it's malaria, DTAP, whatever it is, I have a, I've had to get vaccinations over the years to enter into certain countries. Um, I think the notion of a vaccination passport um, is, it's, did you take this vaccine or not? Um, that's basically what it is. So there are regulations to, and you have to decide is this something you want to do or not? Um, and also understand that may prohibit you from going certain places. So, for example, there are certain cruise lines that you will not be able to get on at this current, currently based on the current protocol that they have decided to do. So you have certain cr cruise lines, for example, Virgin Voyages, which will hopefully sail um, this year since they keep pushing it back. It's going to be 100% vaccination. Royal Caribbean, 100% back, uh, national, you know, I'm not, let me, let me caveat RCL, but definitely NCL has decided everyone needs to be vaccinated. So that's good. You know, I think Carnival has had some testing issues. So I think you can do, you can test in if you're under a certain age. Um, so that you have to take that into consideration, especially if you have a family. So for example, a lot of families cruise in NCL. With this current protocol in place that 16 and below, you know, 16 and above, you have to have a vaccination, that may prohibit some families from doing that. Um, so you have to think, there are certain countries you may want to go to where they're saying you have to be vaccinated. So while it is unfortunate, it may be something you're like, I don't, if you choose not to get vaccinated, so then it's, 
all right, I'm not going to get vaccinated, so I can't go to this place at this time. I'll revisit it in 2022, 2023, um, and hopefully that you know that mandate will go away. Mm. Um, so you have to think about what you're willing to do and what you're willing not to do. And if that means certain places now come off of your list, that's the reality. And vice versa, there's some people that will not be comfortable going someplace where everyone is unvaccinated. Um, so that is the determination that you have to make on an individual basis, what your comfort level is. It always comes back to your comfort level. Um, so that is what, another thing you have to consider when you're traveling in, at least for the foreseeable future this year. Yeah, this is vital. And I think one of the things people should be thinking about, too, is their immunity system, which is their mm-hmm. health and wellness. I mean, yeah, all these regulations, procedures, they're great. But I also think, like you said, when it boils down to you, what kind of things are you taking in? What are you eating? Where are you going? How much are you spending? You know, those things are going to really calibrate your immunity and based on like what's important today. And, you know, one thing we didn't touch on, which is critical, you need travel insurance. You need to get travel insurance. And that is something that people always balk at because they're like, well, if I don't need it, why should I get it? If something happens and you get sick, and some countries mandate it. So, for example, Costa Rica, you have to have insurance in order to Costa Rica that will cover you in the event that you get COVID. But regardless, if you get sick and you need to get medevaced out, that is an expense you do not want to have um, because it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in a lot of cases. If you have to get medevaced from the country you are in, back to the U.S. Um, so, you know, those are things you also, I always tell my clients, and, you know, it's, it's one of those line items. Someone can pay. I had one client, this is pre-COVID. They were going to um, Vancouver and some of the uh, resort that was off the coast of Vancouver. They were fishing. They were going to do hiking and all of these other things. They were spending $25,000 on this trip but balked at spending $2,000. I'm like, okay, so if something happens, A, you already have a pre-existing condition. Wow. Um, you're fishing and you're doing all of these wilderness things. If you get injured, how are you getting back home? This is the $2,000 it's going to cost you is a rounding error. So I always, always encourage strongly that you get insurance, especially if you are traveling now, if you need to get medevaced, if you have if your trip gets canceled. So also think a lot of the concessions that were in place for credits or the you know the flexibility and shifting is going away. You know, so the you know, our partners, the vendors, they're not being as flexible, they're not being as open, they're taking away some of these things as we're opening up travel. So if you need to cancel because you got COVID two days before. And you didn't have insurance canceled for any reason, you can be out of thousands of dollars if they're not willing to issue a credit or you're in full penalty um, to whomever you book these things in. So I highly, highly encourage insurance. How does someone get all these things? Like, let's say, okay, I'm ready. I've listened to everything. Now I'm going to take action. What's their first step? So, one, your first step is, A, decide where you're going to go. I would always say reach out to a travel advisor that you're comfortable with, um, and you can work with them, um, and they can help you navigate all of these things. Or if you want to do it with, you know, DIY it yourself, um, you can, you know, sit down and you can go through all of the steps, check with your state department, mm-hmm. also check with your airlines as to, you know, some airlines, like I think, I believe American Airlines has one where they tell you what the protocol is needed for each country. Um, but also, again, remember, it can all change on a dime. So, but you're going to have to do a lot of research on your own. Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's a vital thing for someone to think about before they get too googly and they don't know what to do on Google because they get, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. So, look, check with your state, to decide where you want to go. Check with the state department as what the protocols are. Um, check with what that individual country is looking for, what the requirements are to enter that country. So, again, one, where do you want to go? Two, um, check if the state department has an alert, which 
pretty much every country is on a level four right now. Um, so that's kind of easy. And the countries that are on a level three, you usually can't, they're not allowing us in. Um, check that country's page to see what the entry requirements are. And if they let Americans in. Um, so once you know the, the, that basic criteria, then you can decide who you're going to work with and how you're going to book. Um, you know, look into your airlines, look into your, book your hotels, look into your excursions. Um, so those are all of the steps that you need to take and then constantly monitor, set up alerts for you. And that's the other thing. Airlines are still shifting around schedules quite often. Um, so, you know, again, there as, as demand happens, they're bringing more things online, but they may also be shifting. So your flight may change one or two times. So always make sure you have an alert on your phone so you can get an alert as to if something changed with your flight you can reach out to the airlines and make those changes. Hopefully you can make the changes online versus going on hold because hold times are like two hours usually. Um, if you're lucky, they're only two hours. Wow. Um, if you can't make those changes online. Um, so yeah, those are some of the high level things. And again, stay flexible when you're looking and booking as well. <laughs> exactly, when you're looking and booking, stay. I like that, yeah, stay focused. Exactly. You mentioned something called levels. For someone that doesn't know what that is, as far as the level four, three, what does that sure. mean and what should they be looking at? Sure. So, you know, when you're looking at level one, like a level one, hey, it's all great. You're great to grow, go there. We have great relationships with this country. It's not dangerous for you to go to. And these levels have always been in place. So sometimes it might be with Zika virus was, you know, remember Zika back in the day? Um, when Zika virus was the thing, an island might be on level three because if you're pregnant or thinking about pre becoming pregnant, you might need to exercise caution. So that might be a three um, to travel to. Um, level four, generally, basically the entire world, they kind of correlated with, with the CDC on what those levels of you know, protocols, be cautious about catching COVID. There might be caution because they have, you know, unrest. Let's be clear, in theory, some cities in the U.S. could, in theory, be a level four. You know, for example, at the height of um, the pandemic, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, the tri-state area, especially New York, would have been a, might not want to travel because hospitals are overwhelmed, or things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it a little clearer now. So, yeah, I think that's really where people should focus more on and be more particular about their spend, their travel, and how long they're going to be there, too, because I think that also right. matters. Now, I want to caveat, like I said, most countries, I think there's like 132 countries that are currently at a level four. Wow. So, um, that the State Department put them on it. Every, people can have numerous debates about, oh my God, well, should I go there? Should I not go there? Do I want to stay closer, etc. Again, you have to mitigate and understand, look at what's really going on, on you know, at that particular location, um, and decide for yourself if you're comfortable. I've had I had one client um, who they reached out, they planned an entire you know trip to South Africa for two weeks and they're like oh it's level four so what I was like everywhere is a level four I was just like everywhere you want to go is a level four what we can do is look at somewhere that's closer you know for you and your family because they were also traveling with two children so you know South Africa we're also looking for malaria free locate camps and things like that when you're doing this party so what, what I said was okay so for that level of thing that you want to do how about we look at Costa Rica you know, you can still get in outdoors, you can get a lot of nature, etc. And it's closer to the U.S. So that's what they decided to do was, okay, we're going to shift and go to Costa Rica. Um, and that because we're closer to home, they're still going to do the insurance. They're still going to do all of these things and take that South Africa itinerary. And we're going to move it to 2023. You know, and there's also challenges because they, you know, which I think actually also works for them. Because they're traveling with two children and, you know, there's not like there's direct, direct flights currently from here to South Africa. So 
those are also considerations. I like that. That that's really why a travel advisor is recommended because you will not get this kind of information in depth. Right. You know, if you decide you've done all of this research on South Africa, then you're like, oh, I kind of want to go somewhere else. To restart that entire research process, to pivot and go to a Costa Rica is a lot of work. Uh, you know, so we just we decided we're going to change it. We're going to shift focus. And that, that South Africa itinerary will move to 2022 and they'll take the trip then. That's amazing. Wow. You have definitely brought a lot of knowledge and just dropped bombs of wisdom <laughs> for people to really <laughs> think about their lives, for real. <laughs> Look, it's, I love traveling. I'm passionate about it. Um, and, you know, my, I speak for myself and my fellow travel advisors. This is what we do day in, day out. And like anything else, like if you're looking for a doctor or if you're looking for whomever in your arsenal of people, Find one that resonates with you. Find one that works. Hold on one moment. No problem. The recording has No problem. Okay. No problem. So look, find a travel advisor that works for you, that you feel comfortable with, and you buy with it. There are some, all they focus is on is Disney. They love doing everything with Disney, so you would use a Disney person. Um, some of us do Europe, etc., weddings, destination weddings. There is someone that focuses, that you will resonate with. Um, so also find someone who you resonate with. Some charge, some don't. Um, you know, I'm one of those who does charge because it is a consulting service, how I look at it, and really understanding what your needs are and making sure that you have a fantastic experience. That's amazing. Wow. Thank you so much, Falashari, for coming here and just giving us all these things. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a I had some great time talk, chatting with you. Same here. How can people reach out to you if people want to connect with you? What's the best way? Sure. You can always DM me um, on my Instagram, boundless underscore Trav. Um, you can reach out on my website with boundlesstrav.com. Um, so, or you can give me a call. My information is always on my Instagram. It's on my uh, profile. So, that is how you can reach me or you can reach, but DM me, send me a message and I will get back to you as well. Or you can email me um, at my first name, F-O-L-A-S-H-A-D-E at BoundlessTrav, T-R-A-V.com. Exactly. You guys got that. Roger that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I'm always open to talking travel and figuring out what, how we can make you a travel experience that... You'll talk about. I always want. I always, the question I always ask: When you return from your trip, what is it that you want to be able to talk about and say you experienced? Mm. Um, because that's what we're going to deliver. I love that. I love that. Wow! Thanks again, and I look forward to bringing no. you back here again. Definitely look forward. I'm glad we had this conversation, and I'm sure we'll be chatting on Clubhouse or otherwise. Always. Have a great holiday. You too. <laughs>